The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, welcome to Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on The Shepherd. It is my privilege to have a first-time guest in our studio today. Barbara Perez is an attorney from the Central Florida area. She's also an author of what looks like a beautiful book, a wonderful read. It's called Through God's Eyes, Eight Truths to Help You Rise from Victimhood to Victory. On top of everything else, she's a fellow member of my church, although I did not realize, uh, having seen you and your husband, Felix, I talk to him regularly. What a great guy. Uh, But I did not know until it was through the Christian chamber that I find that you're not only a member of the chamber, but you're a member of our church. And I, I was so surprised. So the book drew you into here, although you and I've talked before in the past, and I just felt like, wow. This is crazy. A small world again. Welcome, Barbara Perez. Thank you, Mike, for having me. Now, this is really going to be a fun time of me getting to know and our listeners getting to know you better, learning about not only your story. You were born in Guatemala, and I'm sure there's a lot to that story as to how and why you wanted to come to the U.S., what drew you to do this. Uh, then you became a believer at some point and an author. So we've got a lot to unpack. So let's get started there. What was like life like in Guatemala growing up for you? So I grew up with my mother, my stepfather, and my two younger sisters. Um, and life was um, normal. I used to go to school, um, play with my friends, and... Um, Guatemala is very different. And of course, this was how many years ago, right? Mm-hmm, I don't want right. to age myself, but uh, many years ago. And it was just an easy time. It was an easier time, a more innocent time. Um, however, I did um, experience um, trouble at home. My stepfather, he was he used to drink a lot. And um, and I experienced experienced um abuse at his hands um a little bit of of you know physical mental sexual abuse and that is one of the reasons why i ended up leaving mm-hmm. and coming to the u.s yeah you were escaping a bad situation that's home. right yeah that's right how old were you when you made that move i was 11 and so the way it happened and it had to be god that we came to visit with my mother she had family here in the United States. And so we came in one of those times and one of my aunts said uh, to my mother, why don't you leave her? Leave her here with me and she can go to school. I think she realized, my aunt did, that something was going on. Yeah, something was happening right. at home. Right. Yeah. And so she and my mom said yes. And so uh, the next time. Do you think your mom knew what was going on? I don't know. Um, she used to work a lot. She used to work very long hours. And so I think she didn't, um, but 
after I wrote the book, we had a conversation mm-hmm. because in the book, I, I retell a little bit of what okay, happened to me. Okay, you kind of pass your testimony through. Yes, I do. And yeah. so we t- we had that conversation with her um, and she just could not believe that she was so blind to that. So I don't think she was aware at that time. Mm-hmm. So you were writing this book about basically uh, an example of which would be your own life, a victim a victim That's of right. just circumstances that you had nothing to control. Talk about being young. You were less than 11. I don't know mm-hmm. what age it was when it started, but mm-hmm. making a major move without your mom and dad there, and or your, in your case, your stepdad mm-hmm. there, uh, but coming to family in the U.S., that's a big transition for an 11-year-old. It is. It was a big change, and I miss my mother and my sisters, of course, but I was glad to be out of that mm. uh, situation because even though I was 11 and I wasn't truly aware of the extent of the harm that was being done to me mm. because, again, I lived at more innocent times, so I wasn't aware but I knew when I when I got here that that was I was no longer caring, you know, I was no longer in that environment. And so but I did miss my mother and mm-hmm. my sisters. In Guatemala, did your family ever attend a church? We used to go to vacation Bible school. And mm-hmm. my mother used to send us when she could, but she did not attend. Okay. So Obviously, you found the Lord after this move to the U.S. Yes. So when I moved here, my the family members that I lived with, they used to go to church. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of my other family that was already here, they served the Lord. And so that's how I became to know the Lord mm-hmm. once here in wow. the States. Yeah. So being raised in an area that was predominantly Catholic, I know Guatemala, I would think there was a lot there. But I know a lot of people in Guatemala uh, uh, reached out to them. It's a great unchurched area as well. So uh, you came over to the U.S. and mm-hmm. found the Lord. And uh, then this idea about what you wanted to do in your life, you mentioned before we began this interview that you had always desired being an attorney. So w- w- tell us about that. What what caused you to want to be an attorney? So... I always wanted to help people in some way. And I noticed that when you are an attorney, you have more doors open to you in mm. order to help those who cannot help themselves maybe, or don't have um, the knowledge um, or the resources. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that that's what, that's what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure what type of law. I don't think that was, was that was, um, what was important to me was just helping people in some capacity. Now, that might have been the same reasoning that your undergraduate degree was education. Is that right? That's right. That's right. So what did you study elementary or post-secondary uh, education? Elementary education. Mm-hmm. And I actually taught um, for about seven years. Really? Mm-hmm. In a public school? In a, pri- in a small private school. Okay. Wow. That's great. What a great story. And, you know, all of these things are adding to your life experience that is going to be used later on. Even though you're not a teacher anymore, I'm, st- I'm sure you still draw from those years. I do. I, I, I do. And I, and I recall um, as a teacher, um, I was a teacher in a small private school um, in a town uh, down southwest Florida. And most of the families are immigrant and migrant families, mm-hmm. Mexican mostly. And so 
a lot of those kids were first generation you know a lot of the kids that graduated were first generation graduates their parents never went to school never graduated and so you can really see the change of mentality and thought patterns mm -hmm. because now these kids were doing something that nobody in their family did mm -hmm. and so it was really it was hard mm -hmm. because you're breaking new ground but at the same time it was neat to see those kids realize their potential did you speak english when you made the move over here i did not wow now that is that's another amazing thing to me i barely speak english myself <laughs> <laughs> and so here you have this now uh, second language that you're using how long did it take you to become proficient so it's a lot easier for a child to i think to learn uh, the language, especially when you're immersed in mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And so when I got here, I went to the sixth grade and um, all of my friends uh, spoke English. And so I was kind of forced to, and I wanted to. And so all the music that I listened to was in English and all the TV that I watched was in English because I wanted to make sure um, that I learned it as fast as I could. So I would say maybe about a year, a year <laughs> and a half. <laughs> That's nuts. That's crazy, Barbara. And I, I love the way God does that. And he's blessed you with that ability. How did Felix come into the picture here? So we met at that, uh, at the church that we used to go to down in Southwest Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where I used to teach at that. They had, a, they have the school okay. there. And so um, he was, he, he used to go to that church. And, um, when I came from, from Guatemala, that's the church I went to the pastor. There is my uncle. And so Felix was already serving there. And so we met, I believe that I was 18. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was 20 when we met. Okay. Mm -hmm. And started dating and started dating. We dated for a while uh, we broke up for a while. Uh, we went uh, back and we got married in 2008. Goodness, that's wonderful. And you have a, a couple of delightful children, very talented, I might add. Thank you. And I uh, have enjoyed getting to know or getting to watch how talented your daughter is in acting and in a play that we did. It was just, she was wonderful, delightful, spunky, all of that. She was great. Thank you. She loves She's very outgoing, and that's something that she gets from her dad, of <laughs> course. Uh, but she just loves it. And, and I think not only does she love it, but she loves doing uh, and serving God. And so that's, that's what I like to see the, the most. Yeah. So you're serving as a teacher for seven years. Mm -hmm. You're teaching and you're using that college major. So often people graduate from their, their uh, undergraduate and they, they start doing something completely different mm -hmm. right off. But you use that teaching certificate for seven years. Then the door is open for you to go into uh, at what you longed to do all along was to be an attorney. But you wanted to specialize in a particular area. So tell us about that. Sure. So, um, when I was teaching, I, I, being an attorney still was something that I had in my heart, but I was already married and I had my daughter at that time. And so I wasn't sure that it was something that I would be able to do. Mm -hmm. Accomplish it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so law school, it's a, it's a, it's not easy. No. Um, but my husband and I talked and I said, you know, I, I think that this is the time to do it. Cause if I, I think if we don't do it now, we're not going to do it. And so we decided to move to Orlando 
um, so that I could go to FAMU. And, um, and it wasn't easy. I mean, at that time, we had just moved. My husband was working, um, not great pay. And I wasn't working because I was going to, to school. And we had our two-year-old mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And law school is very intense. Um, but, you know, I went a part-time program four years. And, um, and it just solidified um, the desire that God had put in my heart to serve people. And so while I was in law school, I interned at um, Catholic Charities to have an immigration program. And as an immigrant myself, I've been through the process, my husband as well. And so I wanted to be able to serve people in that way. And so upon graduation, um, they had an opening there at Catholic Charities again, an immigration unit. And so I was hired. That is a real nice reason to do an internship if you're in college like that or in a uh, like as an attorney. Because that just gives you not only experience, but it gives you an open door when there is an opening like that's that. Right. That's and, right. And you took advantage of that. How long were you there? I was there for two years. And then um, during that pandemic, we were working from home. And then the kids were also at home because of the pandemic. The schools were, mm-hmm. were shut down at that time. And so I started thinking, okay, Lord, I want to be with my kids. But I also want to continue working. And so I decided to open my own office. And so I did during the pandemic. Wow. Um, right in the right 2020. In the, yes. Yeah. Right. In September of 2020. Wow. And it was just a step of faith. And um, it's been two years and a half now. And, and God has been so faithful in always providing um, clients. And not only that, but the flexibility to be able to serve at church and, and serve my my kids and my family Mm -hmm. as well. So you're able to do all of the things that you felt God had put in your heart to do. One of the things that I I think, I I think all of us would like to know your experience as being one from a foreign country, Guatemala, coming in as an immigrant and how, how did that go? Tell us about this because you listed in, uh, on your website, I read this, that you count becoming a citizen here as one of the just blessings that's ever happened to you in your lifetime. So tell us about what that's like. And then that is obviously why you wanted to go into what you're doing to help other people with the same thing. What was your experience like? That's right. So um, people always talk about the American dream. And I think people have um, an incorrect idea of what the American dream is. Some people think, okay, the American dream is getting everything that I want, getting Mm -hmm. it easy. And maybe having a bunch of privileges and just and a bunch of toys and a bunch of toys and cars and <laughs> yeah, picket fence, yes, yeah, all that. Yeah, but for yeah. me, the American dream is having opportunities. And so, ever since I came to the United States, nothing has been handed to me in a way that you would think that things should. Right? Some people think that that. Things should be handed to them. Well, we have a whole country full of people that feel entitled that something should be given to them. That's right. And so that wasn't the case. And so I I studied uh, elementary education. That was my bachelor's. It took me seven years to graduate because I didn't live with my parents. So that meant that I had to pay my own way um, in college. 
And so instead of taking the regular four years, it took me seven because I was working during the day and going to college at night. Mm -hmm. And so you think, well, that's not, that doesn't sound like an American dream, but it does because I had the opportunity, right? So I had the tools, I had to work extra hard, but to me, the American dream is having the opportunity. Same thing with law school. I, I, I went to law school, uh, regular law school is three years. But if, if you have to work, then you can do the part-time program, which is four years. And so um, I was taking care of my daughter. Then I was going to law school at night. And then I took a job at the law school at the library. So I was getting home at one in the morning after having classes. The next day... Um, what time did your classes start that day? They would start from six. I would study from six. I would have classes from around six to ten. Or six to eight sometimes, and then I would stay at the library for closing hours. Six p.m. Hours. Yeah, p.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I went at night, um, and then I I started a business of selling stuff online on eBay, mm-hmm. and so that actually helped me pay my way through law school. Um, and to me, that's the American dream. You found a way to make it. You found right. a way to earn it, mm-hmm. and you did it. Right. Yeah. What? What? You know. I think that American dream has gone by the wayside in a lot of people because of this thing of entitlement. Exactly. They, there's people right now that own businesses. They can't find people to come and work the way you worked hard. You have 11 years, if I'm doing the math right, of college, seven in your undergraduate. That's right. And then four mm-hmm. in becoming a, uh, an attorney. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. That's right. And that's a long time to work for a dream. It is a long time. And what I always tell people is, Time is going to go by anyways, right? That's so right. <laughs> 11 years are going to pass and then you're going to look back and say, I could have done that. The 11 years already went by. So you either yeah. sit and watch time go by or sacrifice and work really hard and accomplish your dreams. I really love the ethic, the work ethic that you've had. And I get the feeling you've had that in your heart, even as an 11 year old, you were willing to tackle the difficult times that were before you, and you did it faithfully. So I'm really happy to talk with you, Barbara. Barbara Perez is my guest. We're going to be talking in the next segment about a book that she's written. There's got to be a big backstory to it. It's called Through God's Eyes, Eight Truths to Help You Rise from Victimhood to Victory. Don't go away. We'll be right back. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Happy to have my guest with me today, Barbara Perez. She is an attorney, owns her own office. Uh, it's called Barbara Perez Law, I believe, right? Law Offices of Barbara Perez. All right, let me get that right. Law Offices of Barbara Perez. Eight Truths to Help You Rise from Victimhood to Victory. That's the byline of the book, Through God's Eyes. When did you start writing this one? I started writing the book during the pandemic, actually. You've got all this extra time. You're 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 opening up an office. You're uh, raising children. 
Everyone in the, in the world is shut down and you say, let's write a book. Yeah. So, I love that. So once again, a win for the work ethic. Yes. So <laughs> I just started writing and I would take some time at, at night. I'm a night owl. And so when my husband and my kids are sleeping during that time, I was on my iPad and just writing, writing, writing. This is probably held over from the time that you were doing all that work. That's right. Uh, in after, law school. After, after hours. That's it. Yeah. So that hasn't changed. Now, do you find yourself productive in the early morning hours too? I am not as productive in the morning hours. I have to be because I have two kids and I have to get them That's to school. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, you don't really have a choice. Right, yeah. right, right. But I'm better at night. Oh, goodness gracious. Through God's eyes. Now, uh, we've, we know that a part of the impetus for your wanting to write this book would have been, as we discussed in segment one, your own story. That's right. All right. So uh, when someone has gone through this, I, I don't think it's not, not natural. It's not every day. Let's put it that way, that a person who is a victim, maybe of all the things that cross their minds to do about that, one thing is not always to write a book. I mean, it's that's that's pretty amazing that you were willing and able and let's just say had enough courage to write down some of the things mm-hmm. that happened to you your life story. A lot of people want to keep all that down under mm-hmm. quiet. Don't remind me of it. You're you're willing to put it out there for everybody and their, their aunt and uncle to read. So it wasn't easy because um, although I am, I don't share everything that happened to me. I do share some, some of the uh, painful stuff that happened to me as a child and what that trauma and pain and hurt cost me even mm-hmm. in my adult life. Um, so it wasn't easy. And still sometimes um, I I asked the Lord, okay, Lord, I, I know this was from you. So help me, you know, get, get through uh, talking and, and it's, it's not easy. But I remember um, sitting down with one of my clients in my office and she was sharing with me her story, um, very similar to mine of abuse but with her it was at the hands of her own biological father wow and so i when she was telling me her story i could see it in her and i don't know if it's happened to you when you when you talk to someone and you can see the weight that they're carrying on their shoulders Mm -hmm. and just the pain in her eyes and i saw myself through her but I could still see that she hadn't healed, that she was still going through that. And I said, God, you know, I was there. I was her. And so how do I, how do I share with her that there is hope? Mm. How do I, because I'm sitting with her in a consultation and I know she's leaving in a few minutes. So how can I share this? And so that was one of the reasons why I decided to, to write it down. And the Lord had been uh, putting it in my heart. But again, the fear of men, what are people going to think? Um, this Some of this stuff is embarrassing. Um, well, that know. helps me to know that you did deal with some of that stuff. I did stuff. struggle yeah, that, with that. Yes, yeah, yes. I can see that. And yet you overcame that because of the greater good. Right. It was, uh, it was God putting it in my heart and knowing that I wasn't the only one that had gone through something like that. Um, and that there's still people out there that need to hear a message of hope and that there's still people that are living their lives under a banner of victimhood. Because if you think about it, if I have been the victim of abuse 
and all the types of stuff. I think that some people say, well, it's fair that I should feel this way or that I should mm. act this way or that I should have this mentality. Um, but, you know, the Lord calls calls us to live a prosperous life. And he died for us not to live like victims. Um, and so just getting that message out and just telling people, you know what, we were victims. Um, probably everybody has been a victim of something, but that's not the end. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, we can have a victorious life, but we have to go through the process of healing. We have to go through that process so that on the other side, we can come out victorious. Now, at what point do you feel like you received your real healing from what you went through? It's a process. It's a process. I talk about in the book how sometimes when we come to Christ, we some people think that, okay, now that I'm in Christ, everything is different in the sense that everything has changed in my life and maybe addictions or pain, all that is automatically healed. Mm -hmm. And maybe for some people it is, but for the majority of people, our Christian walk is a process. And every morning we have to get up and decide to walk with the Lord and and hand him over things that we're struggling with and let let him deal with us and heal that's us. so true. It's a process. Uh, through the rest of our lives. Through the rest of our lives. That's what we're going right. to be doing. And yeah. so even till today, I am still every day asking the Lord to help me if I see areas where I'm still struggling. And so to answer your question, it's a process. Yeah. It's been a process and God has used many different uh, sources, many different tools, many different people to help me in different areas mm -hmm. of my life through that process. Now you mentioned uh, kind of a scenario. We got just a little glimpse of it, of you sitting and talking in a consultation with uh, one of your clients. Do you feel the openness as a, a professional, as an attorney, when you're talking with them to bring up your faith? Is that something that happens naturally or how do you mitigate that? So it's a case by case basis. Um, some people come to my office and they want to get this process done and that's it. No room for any personal chatting and stuff like that. But because of the nature of my work, sometimes I have to sit down and they have to tell me their stories. They have to tell me why did they come to this country? What made them leave? What makes them um, want to seek help? And that's where many times they are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so in that vulnerability, I have um, the option or, or the privilege, I guess, to share of my own story. And so it happens more often than not, but I have been able to share about my faith and to share about my story. And now with the book, it's become a little bit easier yeah. because then I can say, oh, by the way, I wrote this book and so I can give it to them or yeah, and so it becomes a great door opener for that discussion. That's right. You know, and it also saves the time of you necessarily retelling it all the time. But boy, when someone reads it and then they are moved and realize, hey, there is a victory awaiting me as a victim if I just continue to look toward the Lord. That's right. And I know that's... Now, you mentioned eight truths. Can you go into how... The, the idea of enumerating this number. What about the number eight? Why that? So I was wanting to write first, first something 
short um, and something practical because I know that we are busy and um, a lot of times we don't have time to sit down and, and read a book. So I wanted something practical and something um, easy. So when I uh, started writing, I wanted people to just remember. Um, and the, the number eight is not specific, mm-hmm. it's not, but I just wanted people to remember um, certain things, certain truths um, that could help them remember the truths of going from that victimhood mentality mm-hmm. to a victorious one. So this would also be fueled from your own experience. I'm sure you walk through these same eight things that you're suggesting That's to right. them in your own life. That's right. So each chapter has uh, a truth and those are based on stuff that happened to me or stuff that I struggled with. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, for example, in one of the chapters, I talk about the words that people say and how that can affect words can either be fruit or poison. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was young, I was a young girl and I shared with someone about the abuse that I had experienced when I was a young child. And this person said to me, well, you know, uh, girls like you end up being either prostitutes or lesbians. She said, wow, people that girls that have been That's abused. That's a wonderful exhorting word right there. Right. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, at that moment, I thought, well, well, maybe because what man would want to be with someone who, who has been abused? Um, and so that's what, what one of the chapters is about, because words can either be fruit or poison. Would right? that be the sticks and stones will break my yes. bones? Is that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So this is going to be helpful. So our listeners today that may know they've got relatives that might be going through some of the very things. Uh, victims of abuse, mm-hmm. victims of either physical abuse, sexual mm-hmm. abuse, emotional abuse. Uh, I, I think just about everybody knows somebody, if not in their own family, they know somebody that would benefit from your story of faith and how that God brought you through, not just through it. Now, I think that's amazing in and of itself that people make it through and continue to live and prosper, but to get through it the way you've done to victory. Now that's another layer. That's right. And and that's why I think it was important for me to write this book because a lot of people stay stuck in the victim mentality. Yeah. Right? And it's I went through this so I can't uh there's no hope for me or because of my past I don't see a future or because of everything that has been done to me now I'm entitled to this. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's why it was important to see that, you know, we have been victims, um, but through Jesus, we can find hope and then we can move on and discard that victimhood mentality. You know, I've got to ask you this because you came to America, you did it all the legal way, the correct way. You worked hard to become a citizen. That was not the easiest process in and of itself, but yet you did it and you, you, you did it the right way. What is it like for you to see what's going on in our country today with the border being open like it is? It's a hard situation because on the one hand, I'm in a, I have been in, always have been a rule follower, always have been a rule follower, a rule follower. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I follow the laws 
And then on the other hand, you have people that for some reason or another are fleeing their countries and they hear of this land of opportunity and freedom and um, and they want to get here, right? And so you have on the one hand, those people. And then on the other hand, you have, well, we have to have rules. We have to have order because if we don't have rules and order, then we live in chaos. And a lot of people are running away from the chaos, mm -hmm. right? And so it's a very difficult situation. Many times I find myself um, conflicted because I want to help people that are that want to better themselves and are, are seeking for better opportunities. But at the same time, I'm also, again, I like right. order. I like rules because they make sense. Well, I love it that your declared uh, aim in your law firm is to help people with their legal standing here in the U.S., mm -hmm. maybe coming through the immigration process, uh, having them become secure in mm -hmm. and of themselves in that that's the main impetus for your firm. That's right. That's right. Your uh, chapter four, I, I was caught by this title, It's Not All About You. Boy, now there's a title that's got some legs to it. When I think of anything about the American, the way I think uh, Americans view themselves and maybe the way other people view Americans is widely that they think everything is about them. Yes. So um, in the beginning of that chapter, I talk about how young children, toddlers usually think that the world revolves around them, right? <laughs> Everything is yes. about them. And I think a lot of us don't ever grow out of that. And we think that every action that someone else takes is has something to do with us. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, if you're driving the, down the road and somebody beeps the horn at you and you think it's about you and maybe it's it has nothing to do with you, uh, maybe the person is you know, it's late to work. I, I don't know the circumstances. Um, but I think a lot of times we put so much pressure on other people to make us happy, uh, to keep us happy when people are going through their own situations, people have their own struggles. And if we think that it's not all about me, sometimes I have to think of others. And sometimes maybe the person didn't wave at me, not because they're mad at me. Maybe they weren't wearing their glasses. They didn't mm -hmm. see, you know, so just thinking about it's not always about me. Um, it, it really does help to change your your mentality. I'm sure you've heard the song that goes with the chorus. It's not about me. It's all about you, Jesus. Yes. It's not about me as if you should do things my way. That's right. I, I think that could become the American stanza right now that we're all singing. Yes. <laughs> it's all about you, Lord, because it's it's certainly not about me. And uh, we've got just enough time. Uh, I've got a, there's another uh, chapter title that you've given it. Chapter six, the little engine that could, we've got just a couple of minutes. I've got to hear you talk about that one. So when you have grown up listening to other people tell you that you're no good, that you're never going to amount to anything. Um, sometimes it's easy to believe that, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what you're listening to, but that's what you're hearing. And so in writing that chapter, I write about how um, God has given us talents and abilities. And sometimes we make the mistake of comparing ourselves to others. God gave me a purpose. And the purpose that he gave me is for me. 
And so I am able to carry out God's purpose because he gave it to me. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we disqualify ourselves. We think we are no good. And so that chapter is just all about if God called you, okay, um, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to see you. He's going to see you through it. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. We have right. to work at it. We have to work at it. I love the phrase I heard years ago, where God guides, he provides. That's right. You know, wherever he leads you, he's going to give you the grace to go through it. And uh, boy, that little engine that can, even though you may think poor thoughts of yourself, God is thinking big thoughts for us because it's his plan, his purpose. And again, going back to the other thought, it's not about us. It's all about him. Barbara Perez is my guest. We have one more segment with her. She is an attorney in Orlando, the law offices of Barbara Perez. And the book we're talking about, her book, Through God's Eyes. We'll talk more in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Attorney Barbara Perez is my guest today. Her book, Through God's Eyes, Eight Truths to Help You Rise from Victimhood to Victory. Again, Barbara, we've talked about the fact that you get very transparent in the book. You talk about some of the things you've gone through. Uh, everyone who comes in, I mean, in one sense of the word, would you agree with this? In one sense of the word, we're all victims of something. Everyone is. I agree is. with that. I agree with that. I think we have all been victims of something, whether it, um, it is abuse, any type of abuse, um, racism, all that is, yeah. you know, we can, we can certainly, if we look, we yeah. can probably find something. You know, when I was a young guy, I, I felt a victim. I, I, I was told all my life I was going to be 6'3", and I'm <laughs> from Indiana, and I'm a basketball lover, and I hit 5'9", and that was it. That was it. That was it, and I thought, I'm a victim. <laughs> <laughs> then one of my friends told me, well, the reason you're this way is because the Bible says the wicked will be cut off short. <laughs> and, and so th that explained that right there. Okay, that's it. It's my own wicked heart. No, seriously, though, every one of us have something that's happened to us in our life. Now, I'm not trying to diminish mm -hmm. big things that mm -hmm. people have dealt with at all. But the truth of it is we live in a, a society right now that almost coddles the idea of being a victimhood. And I think one of the fruits from that is entitlement. That's right. That people can take the fact that they've gone through difficult times and therefore they can feel I'm deserving of something because of that. And that was never your mindset or not, never your response, let's say, to all the things that had gone on in you. I think you worked hard in spite of that. I think um, one of the reasons why it's because I came to know the Lord very early on. I was a teenager when I, when I, when I met the Lord. And it's interesting, though, because my relationship with the Lord was difficult in the very beginning. 
especially because uh, we were always told that God is our father. I knew this was coming. You yeah. know, and so yeah. it's like, well, my, you know, the men that I had in my life that were father figures were not the best. They let you down. Very much. And so comparing, you know, God to a father was very hard. And so the early years of, of my, of my yeah. uh, Christian walk was not easy in that sense. I could see God as somebody in heaven and just sit, but as a father, that was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think through my Christian walk, um, I learned that, yes, I had been a victim. Um, bad things were done to me and I, I still had to struggle. You know, I could have said that, you know, the fact that I didn't live with my parents as a teenager, right? I had to put myself through college. Um, I didn't have anybody to financially support me. The fact that I was still dealing with uh, traumas and hurts from the, the abuse, um, all that stuff, I could have used that. Um, yeah, just as, an, an excuse. That's As an excuse, yeah. as an excuse. You mm-hmm. know, English is not my, my first language, um, all that stuff. But, but I think through my Christian walk, I realized that that's not the kind of life that God wanted and he had something for me and he had a future. Um, and it wasn't easy again. And, and I go back to what we said about the American dream, Christian life, nor the American dream is easy. What it is, is you, you can have it. You have the opportunity. You can walk with the Lord. You know, you have all these opportunities, but it is your choice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people stay stuck in the, okay, give it to me, hand it to me. It's not easy. So that means I'm yeah. a perpetual victim. And so um, my thought was always, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it with you. And it's going to take me a long time, but this is the yeah. call. This is what I'm going to do. Don't you find it true that so many people, when they're on that pendulum swing toward victimhood, there's that tendency to let the pendulum swing all the way too far to the other side. And that's the part that would make them feel like, okay, this has happened, so I'm entitled to this to happen. And they don't realize that in the middle, there's the balance where God wants us all, where we're supposed to be living. It's not, it's not in these extremes. It's right, it's right with God. Exactly. Yeah, I exactly. think, I think, and that's not a middle of the road. I'm not using that as a, as a uh, kind of a, a metaphor here, but God wants us. There is a way that seems right uh, to man, and it's often not the way that is right for God. That's right. And he has that plan. One more thing I had to ask you about the title itself. You had alluded earlier uh, that you were able to look uh, through the eyes of this person that you were talking to. And I, I got the idea that the experience or the imagery of getting close to God, giving you the ability to to imagine what it's like seeing through his eyes. Is that, is that, how did that happen? And tell us about how you chose that phrase for your book title. So if we look at ourselves through our own physical lives, right, we see what's happened. So I saw a, a girl, a little girl who suffered abuse, who was told, you know, she was good for nothing. Somebody that didn't have the support of their family. Um, somebody that, that came to a whole different country, whole new different mm-hmm. language. Um, and so that's what I saw, 
right through my eyes and i think a lot of the times that's where we stay stuck just seeing our our raw reality mm -hmm. and it's fine to look at our raw reality because that's how we can say okay these are my disadvantages these are my struggles okay lord here they are now what are we going to do mm -hmm. but i think when you start seeing yourself how god sees you um you start seeing yourself in a different light because then it's like okay i i went through that but through jesus i can become this or this is his purpose you know his purpose is going to be carried out but i think that happens when you start seeing yourself when you start believing the promises that he has mm -hmm. for us when you start believing his word when you start relying on him i think that's when you transition from okay, this is who I am, this is where I'm stuck, to, okay, that's where I was, that's what happened, but through him, I can now see myself in a different light. Now, I like what you just said, that, that rung in my heart, this is what's stuck, this is where I'm stuck. Mm -hmm. Where do you see the people that are your clients, if you were to kind of just make a, a generalization of people who are potential clients that you could serve, where do you see them as being stuck? Well, if you think about somebody that came in uh, to the United States, uh, maybe illegally, and now they're here and now they have a job, now they have a family. And so you find yourself in a situation where, and, and, th and think about if you're a Christian, right? So I made a mistake. I broke the law, right? I, I did That's something. what they're saying. Yeah, mm -hmm. I made a mistake. Right. I'm here I illegally. I could be deported. Right. I, 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 I know that I, I, I know that I don't deserve because I did it the wrong way. But mm -hmm. now, Lord, I'm here. Now yeah. my family's here. Now I'm serving you here. Now what? And so I think that's where, that's where, again, immigration, and like I said before, is conflicting sometimes because you have that, but then you have mercy, right? And so, um, but a lot of people, that's where they're stuck in, in the fact that, okay, I did something wrong, but now I want to do things right. Now what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you feel that those people uh, who realize they're stuck, that realize they made mistakes, realize that I uh, shouldn't have been here the way I'm here, now what to do? And that's the kind of help that you bring them. So when you have a person that comes to you and they've come to all of what we've just said, what's your first step in talking to them? So my job is to try to figure out if they qualify for an immigration benefit. Mm -hmm. There's many avenues in which a person can qualify for immigration benefit. For example, if you have family, immediate family that are U.S. citizens or legal permanent residents, they can maybe petition for you. Now, um, a benefit, is that something like money that is paid to them from the government? No, that okay. is Explain that you that. can apply so let's say I'm a U.S. citizen and my mother lives in another country, right? As a U.S. citizen, I can petition and petition for my mother. And so she, because she is my mother and I'm a U.S. citizen, she qualifies to uh -huh. apply for a green card. So she, ha yeah, she has the openness mm -hmm. and again, using your word early on, opportunity. That's right. To come in. That's the benefit we're That's talking right. about. That's right. That's the benefit we're talking about. Um, and so that's what I'm looking for. I'm trying to help people see, okay, you're here. Let's see if you qualify. If there's any door that you can walk through that can get your status fixed. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's through family. 
There's also through humanitarian uh, visas, for example, people that have been victims of human trafficking here in the United States, people that have been victims of uh, crime here in the United States. Asylum is also an, a, a, a humanitarian visa, and that is for people who have fled their countries because they were persecuted because of the race, religion, nationality, political opinion, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so my job is to sit down and say, okay, let's go through your life. Let's see if there's anything that you may qualify for to obtain an immigration um, benefit. Mm -hmm. of your Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So people who are in that category, people who are uh, maybe in the immigration process, or maybe they haven't yet legally entered into the process, you're available to talk with them and they can come into the offices, the law offices of Barbara Perez. Uh, do you have a website that you can give us? I do have a website. Uh, it is www.barbaraperezlaw.com. All right, www.barbaraperezlaw. And that's Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A. -A -A. Some, sometimes that's spelled differently. Right. Perez, P-E-R-E-Z.com. So that's very helpful. And I, I'm just sure that people who are in that need, how wonderful it is to have a listening ear the way I know you must be for them. That's got to be comforting, right? It is. It is. And unfortunately, in my field, I have noticed that there's people that take advantage, um, even attorneys or even other people that are not licensed to practice law, um, they take advantage of the fears um, of people. And so many times clients will come to my office saying, I've already paid thousands and thousands of dollars to another person. And when we sit down and look at what was done, it was, it wasn't done right mm -hmm. or something fabricated mm -hmm. or the people have no idea what they've gotten themselves into. And so one of the reasons, again, what, why I wanted to become a lawyer is because I know the Lord. And because I know the Lord, I want to do things right for my clients. And so I'm honest uh, with them. And if they don't qualify for anything, even though it's bad news for them, mm -hmm. it is my job to tell them. And yeah. so that's, you know, it, again, in, in my field, I see a lot of, a lot of um, abuse in that sense. Yeah, I'm sure you do. And as an attorney, I know that you studied the law, the law of America. And I know that there are a lot of attorneys. I'm sure you at times wonder as well, what has happened to the rule of law in our country? Because it seems that those very laws that you studied at FAMU uh, are sometimes being broken by the highest levels of government. It's nuts. What's not being adhered to, what, what is being broken, uh, that's already a law in place. Isn't that right? It, it, that's right. And, you know, one of the differences in... I mentioned this before, how a lot of people leave our countries because of lack of law enforcement, yeah. because of lack of rule of law. And so it's disappointing sometimes when now this is happening here, where, where it was the place where yeah. that, that was. Um, yeah, people leave places like Venezuela hoping for a right, and they get here, and I've had people say, you know, this is just like what happened there. <laughs> exactly. And God have mercy on us. And we call out for that and we believe God for it. Uh, your book is Through God's Eyes, 
Barbara Perez, and that, that website, one more time, Barbara. www.barbaraperezlaw.com. BarbaraPerezLaw.com. Thank you for being with me today, and say hello to Felix for me. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Oh, this is great. And we, friends, thank you as well for being with us on another edition. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.